this world that we live in, the street, the neighborhood, the apartment complex that you live in is filled with people who have no hope. A generation has now bought the continual story that your life will not be better than your parents. And there's little reason to tell them otherwise. If our only hope is in what's going on in the world. In your notes, you find a recent survey on Facts and Trends magazine about most unchurched people don't plan to go to church in the future. And then there are statistics there on uh, what would make you open to considering turning to a church for help. Here's what you need to know about this survey. 51% of people asked said they would attend church if a friend or neighbor asked them. In other words, if you're doing the pray for every home and you're praying for 100 homes right now, 51% of those 100 homes that you're praying for would at some point attend if they would just ask. I don't know why my neighbors don't go to church. You ever ask them? 51% would not say to you, I'm not interested. But you know why? Because they don't know where to go for hope. They don't know if there's any hope out there for them. They're in the midst of crisis and trial and turmoil, and they believe that this world is, in fact, a hopeless place to live. Now, when they were asked what kind of events they would come to, It was a remarkable study. First thing they said, a neighborhood safety event. If the church provided a neighborhood safety event, how to keep your home safe. Uh, Stephen and Ken went to a a meeting at the North American Mission Board this week, and one of the ways they're getting into neighborhoods is handing out smoke detectors to people in homes and a church offering to install them for people. You know how many people die in house fires every year because they don't have a smoke detector? What the church do there? Met a need. Secondly, community service projects. Community service projects. We are privileged to do a number of those at the Coke plant, whether it's our flywheel ministry where we're helping singles and uh, single moms and senior adults with uh, minor auto repairs and oil changes. Folks, this is not rocket science. It just takes legwork and passion. It's not rocket science. This is not hard. If the community is lost, it's because the church forgets how easy it is to tell somebody and to show somebody the love of Jesus. Thirdly, a community sports project, sports and exercise program. We do that with Legacy Park. Now remember, This is a national survey of what would get people to come to church. We do that with Legacy Park. 70% of the people that use Legacy Park are not members of Sherwood Baptist Church. It's a huge outreach for us. Here's what we've got to have. We've got to have people that you may not can coach, but you can love on families that are out there watching their kids play. 
We need a lot more people to be chaplains, to love on and to show the love of Christ to people while they're watching their kids and to build relationships with them. Now, I want you to look at this. The only thing we're not doing right now is the neighborhood safety event. Guess what's going to happen? We're going to figure out how to do one of those. Because those are the four top reasons people say, lost and unchurched people say, they would consider coming to a church. Now, if that's the four top reasons, we ought to be doing it. Amen? I mean, we ought to be doing it. Amen? Amen. Some of you still don't care that they're lost. We ought to be doing it. Amen? That's better. I'm glad that some of you have finally found hope. This world is confused, it's dazed, it's delusioned. It's put its hope in so many dumb things that do not satisfy, that do not bring meaning to life. And, and what, what the church has done too much of is offer religion. And religion just says, try harder, do better, and God will take care of you. That's not what the Bible says. They ought to be disappointed in religion. Because religion doesn't save you. It just adds more stuff to you. Christ came to take away the burden. Christ came to take away the bondage. We don't offer the false hope of doing better will get you into heaven. We offer the unconditional love of Christ that can get you into heaven. Here's what Christianity is not. Christianity is not, you read your Bible, Jesus plus circumcision equals salvation. That's what the Judaizers thought. Well, well, you just need to, you need to follow Jewish rituals. It's not Jesus plus baptism. We've had three people this morning baptized, but baptism doesn't save you. I mean, I've said often, you can be known by every fish in the Flint River, but that doesn't mean you're saved. Baptism doesn't save you. Jesus plus good works equals salvation. Good works don't save you. The Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. Jesus plus morals equals salvation. Well, they're a good moral person. But you can will yourself to be a good moral person. But that doesn't save you. Jesus plus church membership equals salvation. That's not what it is. Now, that's the way the world thinks. That's the way religion thinks. If you add something to Jesus, you'll be saved. You start adding to Jesus, you take away from him. When you start adding to Jesus, you start subtracting. It's not Jesus plus anything. It's Christ alone. And there's no hope in our works. The hope is in the finished work of Christ. He did the work so that by grace we can be saved. Look at the book of Romans chapter 5. Paul is coming out of a long discussion on uh, Abraham and walking by faith and living by faith, being justified by faith. In Romans 5 verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our, our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation 
brings about perseverance, perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And now underline it. And hope does not disappoint. You could write there, Jesus does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. The love of God does not disappoint. The grace of God does not disappoint. The power of God does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Having been justified. What does that mean? Well, if you've been raised in church, you probably know what that means. If you haven't been raised in church, you may not know what that means. But here's what it means. It means just as if I had never sinned. When it says that God justified us, it means just as if I had never sinned. And you can say that to a person that doesn't understand the Bible and the grace of God. And they'll say, wait, wait a minute, I... You don't know what I've done. doesn't matter. Christ died for you so that when he justifies you, when you embrace the salvation that is offered in Jesus Christ, he looks at you as if you'd never sinned. But what about all these scars? What about this memory? What about this guilt? Just as if you'd never sinned. Now, that's called a clean slate. That's called scrubbing the computer. (laughs) That's a clean slate. It's as if you had never done anything wrong. Why? Because God doesn't look at your sin. He looks at his son and sees you through his son. When you embrace Christ, you're justified by faith, and faith leads us to exult and hope. Now let's talk about a few things here. First of all, everybody needs peace with God. Do you you know anybody looking for peace? Our whole world is looking for peace. But what we need is peace with God. And the only way we get peace with God is through a Savior. And the only Savior is a Son. And the only Son that God has is Jesus Christ. God declares us justified and righteous. Now, in the Old Testament, the Jews couldn't get to God because there was a veil between man and the holy of holies. And and the high priest would go in once a year behind the veil and they would tie a rope to him because nobody with sin could enter the presence of God. And they would tie a rope to him and he would go in once a year to make atonement for sin. And if the high priest was not right with God, God strike him dead right there. And so they had a rope so they could pull him out. I tell you what, you'd get right with God if you knew there was a rope tied to you. And... uh, If you weren't right with God, they're about to pull you out and call your relatives. The the Gentiles couldn't get to God because there was a court of the Gentiles. And they couldn't get any further. But when Jesus died on the cross, the book of Matthew tells us that not only did people come out of the graves, and there was the witness of people that had been dead walking around in Jerusalem... Can you imagine that? All of a sudden, you're, you're, you're walking around in Jerusalem, minding your own business, and these dead people are walking around. They've come out of the grave. They've been resurrected as witnesses. And you're walking down, well, there's Uncle Harold. He died 48 years ago. 
What's he doing here? That'd get your attention. But it also says that the veil was rent. Now the veil was um, would have almost reached the top of this ceiling. And it was rent from the top down, not from the bottom up. It means that God reached down in the veil that separated man from a holy God and Jesus Christ at his death ripped the veil open and said, you can now come in and get to know me. You can now come in and meet me. You can now come in and see how much I love you. The veil was torn. The wall of separation has been taken down. Ephesians 2 says the wall's been broken down. And, and Paul says we have peace with God. Moffat translates that. Let us enjoy the peace we have. Phillips paraphrases it. Let us grasp the fact that we have peace. Now I want you to look at verses 1 and 2. Because I want you to see how the peace of God covers us. Don't miss this. This is worth the price of the ticket, whatever the ticket was. We have peace with God. That takes care. You ought to write this in your Bible because it's a good witnessing tool. We have peace with God. That takes care of your past. That's your past. Well, but you don't know what I did. We have peace with God. But you have peace with God. Yeah, but you have peace with God. You see, what the devil does is he keeps trying to remind you of sins that you committed that are already covered by Jesus. We have peace with God. Look at the next phrase. We have obtained an introduction by faith into this grace. That takes care of the present. That takes care of your present right now. So how, how am I going to deal with life? Got an introduction. I'm about to tell you what that means in just a minute. Then look at what he says. We exalt in hope of the glory of God. That takes care of your future. Do you realize that when you put your hope in Jesus Christ, he took care of your past, your present, and your future. Now, find any other deal like that. God covered your past, he protects you in your present, and he has a home for you in your future. Now, look at this word introduction or access. The word means entrance to the king through the favor of another. So here's what Paul is saying, and, and they would have understood this in the culture in which they live. When you give your heart to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes along and takes you by the hand and walks you to Jesus Christ and shows you this is what you need in your life. You want hope, you want peace, you want forgiveness, you want joy, you want mercy, you want unconditional love, I'm going to introduce you to Jesus Christ. And when you meet Jesus Christ, the Son says, I want to introduce you to my Father. And the Bible tells us that the Father withholds no good thing from his children. Amen. Now, did you get that? You are lost. You're over here. You're miserable. You're lost. You're uncertain. You're, you're confused. You're in bondage and you're in sin and the Holy Spirit comes along and says, you know what you need? You need Jesus. The Holy Spirit does not say you need church. The Holy Spirit does not say you need baptism. The Holy Spirit does not say you need to make a New Year's resolution. The Holy Spirit says you need Jesus. Let me get you to him. 
And so he takes us by the hand. It's introduction. It's access. He takes us by the hand and says, Jesus, I just brought this old boy right here. Didn't think that any, there was any hope for him. And Jesus says, I can save you. And then when you meet Jesus, you think, man, this is great. Then Jesus says, by the way, when you're, you're going to learn to pray, and you're going to pray to the Father. Let, let me just go ahead and introduce you, because you're not going to be a strange voice, and you're not going to be asking, you know, is, is there a way that I can talk to my Father? You know, yesterday at the Coke plant, one little girl asked Jim McBride, do you know your dad? Do you have a father? You know what so many lost people in this world are looking for today? A loving father. And we've got it in Jesus. Amen. We've got it in God the Father. We have access to a loving Father who cares about what we're going through, who sees us at the point of our need. And so Paul covers all these bases and he says, you can have peace with God. Some of you in this room in just a few minutes need to walk down this aisle and say, I need peace with God. Secondly, everyone needs perspective on life. Now verses 3 through five seem a little out of place. But what Paul is dealing with is real life. And he's been talking about faith and hope and love and peace all in this small package in chapter five. And what he's telling us is that life is going to have seemingly hopeless situations. There's gonna be tribulation and trials and, and problems and adversity. The Bible never sugarcoats what life is like. It's tough. It's hard. At times, it's unfair. But in the middle of that, we have confidence in God because God does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. Now, a church can disappoint you. Preacher can disappoint you. A Christian you know can disappoint you. Marriage can disappoint you. Your kids can disappoint you. Your parents can disappoint you. Your job can disappoint you. The doctor's report can disappoint you. But God can't. And He won't. The New American Commentary says, God floods our hearts with his love through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Hope is rewarded with a fresh awareness, a fresh awareness of the incomprehensible love of God. Some of you today, you already got Jesus in your heart, but you're going through a trial and a storm and a problem and what you need today is just a fresh awareness of the incomprehensible love of God. A book that he wrote about 15, 20 years ago, Charles Stanley wrote a book called The Reason for My Hope. And he writes about a 20-year-old, late 20s young lady who came to one of their staff members for counseling and uh, said she just needed help. And so... The counselor said, have you ever felt God in your life? She said, oh, yes. I, I, I felt God in my life. I, I came to Christ. I gave my heart to Christ when I was a teenager. And when I went to college, I got involved in a 
prayer group and in Bible studies in my dorm, and, and I went to retreats and seminars, and I was very aware of the presence of God. When I got married, I felt God was in my life. I felt God had brought me and my husband together, and, and I felt he had blessed our home, and he gave us two daughters, and I, I just felt like God's presence was real, but I don't feel it now. And the staff member said, how did it feel to have God in your life? She made two primary statements. How did it feel to have God in my life? Lots of peace and lots of purpose. I had lots of peace and I had lots of purpose. I felt like every day with God was a new adventure. And the staff member said, how do you feel now? And she said, dead inside. Nothing interests me. Nothing excites me. Life is just a grind. I get up, I get my daughters ready to go to daycare, I go to work, I pick up the girls, I come home, I fix dinner, I wash the clothes, I do a load of laundry, I put out our clothes for the next day, I prepare our lunch for the next day, and I collapse in bed exhausted. I feel dead. And the associate asked her, when did you stop feeling God at work in your life? And she said, the day my husband walked out. You see, life is full of tribulation and turmoil and stress and strife and heartache. And can I tell you, if you put your hope in anything other than Jesus, there's going to come a point when life is going to be so hard and so unfair that you're going to feel dead inside. You go to funerals and you see people, and I, I, I guarantee you, I can tell you at most funerals who knows Christ and who doesn't by just their body language. Because if you have hope of the resurrection and hope of heaven, your attitude, although sorrowful, although grieving, your attitude is different than it is if you think, well, that's the end. Six feet under and it's over. That's the end. You see, if you don't have hope in Christ, can I tell you something? Life is ultimately going to make you bitter and angry. And it's going to make you feel helpless and resentful and distrusting. It's going to make you turn on everybody because you're going to feel like God has let you down. But God is not the one that lets us down. Life lets us down. That's why Jesus, when he looked at the crowd, he was moved with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. You and I need something to hope in. More than something, we need someone to hope in because the load is too big to carry on our own. I got to, and I'm not going to take time to do this right now, but I got to looking through the Bible as preparing for this message of all the people in the Bible where you could just write in the margins. This is a good exercise. You could just write in the margin, God was with them. God was with them. In the desert, God was with them. In the ark, God was with them. 
running from Saul, God was with David. With the thorn in the flesh, God was with Paul. God was with his son on the cross. God was with them. Can I tell you something? Not only is God with you, but if you know Christ, God is in you. The Holy Spirit of God is inside of you. Lastly, everyone needs a personal Savior. Look at verse 5. Everyone needs a personal Savior. The love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. That word poured out means to like an artesian well. It's a flood. It's, it's not that when the love of God is poured out on us, he kind of drips a little here and drips a little there. It's like an artesian well. It's, it's like a waterfall. It's just coming out on us. And how is it poured out? Through the Holy Spirit. By the way, verse 6, if you want to write something in your Bible or in your notes. Verse 6, for while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For those of you that are Christians, that's a reminder. For those of you that are not Christians, that's a revelation. It's a reminder to those of us who know Christ that while we were helpless, yes, I remember that day standing in a balcony in a church in Panama City, Florida. I remember helpless. I can't fix my life. I felt helpless. I was ungodly. I was playing a church game. It was a reminder to me. It was a revelation to me. A revelation that I can't help myself like God can help me. Do you need a reminder today so that you can have hope? Do you need a revelation today? You see, when you didn't deserve it, Christ died for you. When you were hopeless, Christ died for you. When there was nothing about you worth loving, Christ loved you and died for you. John MacArthur said, when we were powerless to escape from our sin, powerless to escape death, powerless to resist Satan, and powerless to please him in any way, God amazingly sent his son to die on our behalf. Would you bow your heads with me? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to ask you today, do you have the hope of salvation? Have you put your hope in Jesus Christ? He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life. Have you put your hope in Christ? All of today, every song about today, everything about today has been intentional. For if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, there's no better place and there's no better time than right now in this place at this time to do that. So I'm going to ask you, if you would, if you're here today and you don't know Christ, I'm going to ask you just to get up from where you are. Heather's going to play softly. I'm just going to ask you to get up from where you are and just come down. Just listen. 
if, if you need help, if you need hope, I can tell you where to find it. It's in Christ. But you're going to have to take the first step. That's a long way down there, and I've, I've got to get around some people. Listen, if you're helpless and you're hopeless, you'll get around some people. You'll take the step. So I'm just going to ask you right now. I'm not going to pray. I'm, I'm not going to talk much more. I'm just going to ask you right now from where you are. Not hope in church membership, not hope in baptism, not hope in being a good person, but you need Christ. You need to trust Christ today to give your heart to Jesus today. Would you step out? Would you come right now? Just step out. Christians be praying. You just step out and come. Just stand up. God calls people publicly. God never had any secret followers. When he calls us, he calls us to follow him publicly. So I'm going to ask you to step out from the balcony, from the mezzanines, from the back, from the center of the aisle, wherever you are, just step out and come right now. Who'll be next? Who's the next one that needs to just step out and just give your heart to Jesus today? Don't walk out of here trying to handle life on your terms and in your strength. Give your heart to Christ today. Let him have his way in you. Anybody else need to just give your heart to Jesus today? Give your life to Jesus today. I mean, today's the day of salvation. The Bible says now is the accepted time. All of our praying for today, all of our planning for today has been so that you could know the love of Christ in Christ Jesus. So that you could know forgiveness of sin and hope and peace. Anybody else need to come? We'll wait just a minute longer. You need to trust Christ today. You need to give your heart to Jesus today. Anybody else need to do that? Now, some of you here this morning... You've allowed the devil to influence how you're thinking about your painful, perplexing problems. And you've allowed the enemy to overrun your mind. And he's given you some bad thinking about life. He's even told you to blame God. God is not the author of pain and heartache. We sang a song a few minutes ago, God didn't want heaven without us. You know what? God wants us to love him even in the midst of our storms. And so maybe today you just need to draw a circle around your life and say, Lord, I'm going to change my perspective because in tribulation there can be hope. You lose hope, you lose meaning. Maybe you just need to take a fresh breath of hope today. 
Here's what I want to ask us to do. I want to ask us to just stand to our feet. Mark's going to lead us. We're going to sing a little bit of that song just before the message. My hope is in the Lord. What a great song. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. But if we're standing on the solid rock of Christ, we ought to sing and celebrate that our hope is in the Lord today. Let's sing it together. Sing that again. 